From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, what's going on? Mark Weiser with Ryan Dennis as it is Georgia-South Carolina game week. Ryan, Georgia Southern got Scott Frost fired by beating Nebraska. Texas A&M lost at home to Appalachian State. Marshall went to Notre Dame and won there. Tell me why South Carolina will beat Georgia. You know, I feel like I've searched for the answer to this, and there's really not an answer. I don't see any way possible that Georgia goes in there and, and loses this game. But we, we said the same thing a couple years ago. I remember me and you sitting in the press box there thinking down the line of, you know, what we should do as far as coverage. And lo and behold, South Carolina comes into Georgia and knocks off the Bulldogs with, what, three interceptions, I think, by that one uh, cornerback there for South Carolina. So it can be done, but I can't come up with any strategy or reasoning for why Georgia should lose this game whatsoever. That's when the Georgia Bulldogs were mere mortals. Now they're the number one team in the country once Very again. Uh, at least uh, by the AP writers, including myself, I did put Georgia number one on my ballot. But, Ryan, who's smarter, the, the media members like myself? Uh, well, not myself, but the 60 other folks or coaches who have Georgia number two behind Alabama? Haven't we realized this is like an SID just uh, doing this? Didn't Steve Spurrier admit that he never did his own coach's poll. So I'd give it to guys like you who sit there in a room four or five hours on a Saturday night and crunch the numbers. Um, I finished my ballot Sunday morning, and it was not four or five hours I spent on it. But, you know, your, your point's well taken. Um, hey, uh, we'll talk about the Sanford game a little bit, I guess. We'll, we'll focus more on South Carolina. We'll have uh, a writer coming in from the – Greenville News, Emily Adams, who covers South Carolina, will talk Gamecocks with us. And Ryan, uh, today, a little Georgia-Oklahoma news, as we expected was going to happen, the game in 2023 in Norman, Oklahoma. I know you had probably already booked a hotel. (laughs) You had uh, scoured the best – is Oklahoma got uh, good barbecue? The best barbecue places? I did go to a Norman, Oklahoma barbecue joint. Remember, I flew out there for the Women's College World Series a few years back, and somebody recommended – I can't remember the name of it. Wait, but but that was was in Oklahoma City, wasn't it? Yes, but Norman, you know, what, 45 minutes south? So I made a little day trip down there. All right, well, that game will not be played in 2023. Uh, Maybe the Bulldogs and Sooners will tee it up in 2024, 2025, whenever the SEC. uh, So which one? Will Georgia go to Norman, Oklahoma before uh, College Station, Texas? No, I mean, I doubt doubt that's the case. (laughs) That would be funny. Uh, And I don't even know if Georgia, Oklahoma would be, like, first in line. Maybe, you know, it depends on what they make up the rotation. Georgia has a new series lined up now with Ball State. Ryan, I know you're a big David Letterman fan, and you're hoping that Ball State alum David Letterman will be, uh, you know, maybe he'll be on the sideline with... Uh, he still got that big beard, you know. He did Looking a like a caveman. Stuff. It's funny, though, getting back to football talk, that, uh, you know, when, when these games came out that 
you know, Kirby said, well, you know, expecting expansion of the playoff was why Georgia would want to schedule games like this and, you know, any of the others. I think, they, you know, set up games with Texas and, you know, a few with Clemson. And every time they schedule, it's to make the best schedule possible for when it comes time to be selected for the college football playoff. So next year looks like a big dud now that you had Ball State instead of Oklahoma. Now, of course, we understand why in a couple of years that the SEC will uh, get a big boost from Oklahoma and Texas joining. But, uh, yeah, it's a little bummer to look ahead to next year, you knowing that Oklahoma was coming into Athens and now it's going to be Ball State. No, no, Oklahoma was not coming to Athens. Georgia was going there. 31 was when Oklahoma right, was going right. to be there. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's uh, hit before. We're going to do something in, uh, before we have our guest on, which is uh, ranking the road environments in the SEC because Georgia's going to South Carolina for their first SEC road game. Brian, first, uh, what can you say about Georgia 33, Sanford nothing? This is a classic game that Ryan will be watching next offseason over and over again. How much did you enjoy the FCS Bulldogs coming to town? And uh, as... Uh, Georgia went up 30 to nothing in the first half and still found a lot of reasons why they weren't so happy uh, with a 33 nothing win. It was everything we thought it would be, right? I mean, yeah, Georgia could have beat the brakes off of Sanford, I believe, if they, if they really would have wanted to do that. Of course, you know, maybe losing AD early, you know, it didn't seem to throw the, the team off. He suffered a left ankle sprain, I believe, on the Georgia's first play of offense the other day. But, you know, it... I could see, you know, them being upset with kicking a couple field goals right on the first two drives, especially coming off the game where they were seven for seven in uh, in touchdown drives uh, on offense there to, to uh, you know, start the season. So, I mean, nitpicky things, obviously, you know, coming off that game they had before going to South Carolina, I mean – Again, Georgia could have won this game as much by as many points as they wanted to if they had just set a score. So I don't think much can be taken from it, to be honest. A.D. Mitchell uh, now considered doubtful by Kirby Smart, he said earlier today as we record this on Wednesday late afternoon. I believe Ryan will do his magic tech-wise, and it will be posted on Thursday morning. So maybe you're listening to this. Uh, as you're driving to, uh, probably after driving to work, unless you're working at like 11 a.m. maybe, I don't know. Anyway, A.D. Mitchell, um, if he's doubtful Saturday, I don't expect to see him against Kent State. Now, I say that, I've been wrong before about that kind of thing, but, you know, why not get him as healthy as possible? Maybe uh, have him revved up for a game at Missouri the week after. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of uh, the guys that might have to step up for Mr. Mitchell? Well, we, we've seen how deep Georgia is. What was it, 15 players, I think? 17, I don't know. Called a pass last week. 14, I think, from uh, Stetson Bennett when he was in the game. So, obviously, they have a, a deep a deep rotation there with running backs, uh, tight ends, wide receivers. Of course, we saw a couple of the young guys, Jackson Meeks uh, being the first, I think, to get a chance. And, you know, I actually did look back at some of the game the other day to, to kind of gather all the info on it. But – Jackson was the first one targeted when AD went down. Then they went for a long ball for him on the next one. So I expect, you know, Jackson Meeks to be the, the guy to get a chance. Maybe a Dylan Bell, a three-star guy out of uh, Texas who had a touchdown pass uh, reception the other day. So Denylon Morissette also. Yeah, Denylon Morissette. Uh, just, again, 
Georgia, I think, is just so deep at that position. And, and not only that, you got your tight ends that uh, Oscar Delp got in the game the other day to, to compliment the Darnell Washingtons and the Brock Bowers of the world. So, you know, I, I, I think Georgia's going to be in a great position uh, even without A.D. Mitchell in there. Georgia's second in the nation in passing offense behind Texas Tech. Uh, but like 90-something in rushing offense. Now, if you, you do go by yards per carry, I think Georgia's in like the 60s. Um, I mean, the, the bottom line is you look at total offense, uh, they're 10th in the nation. They're, they're moving the ball. It's only two-game sample size, but, you know, it's not necessarily what you see out of a Georgia offense, what you expect to see. Do you think this will be kind of uh, the way it looks, uh, you know, in November still? I don't, I don't know about November. I, I was laughing at the way that Kirby described to the media on Monday, I think, that, and of course, we don't understand, you know, how football works. So, uh, saying that maybe the some of the passes to receivers works as a rush, so don't get too caught up in the rushing statistics or lack thereof. But I think we said it last week coming off that Oregon game when Kenny McIntosh had 11 catches, 9 catches, whatever it was, for 120 yards or so that – Georgia's going to take what the other team's given them, and I think they have so many weapons and can, you know, give it to Kenny, they can give it to Kendall Milton, they can give it to, you know, Dejon Edwards if need be, or they can throw it to Ladd McConkie or Darnell Washington or Brock Bowers. It's just it's so plentiful and, and so deep, and I think if they got to run the ball, they're going to run the ball. If they want to swing out past uh, guys out of the backfield, they can do that. They can go downfield. They can do – pretty much whatever they want which is such a nice luxury to have and and really good to see it's fun to watch as a, as a you know Georgia fan I'm sure it's just uh, you know every time Georgia has the ball you expect them to go down and score a touchdown We'll see if they can run it when they need to in the red zone. Um, you know, it didn't uh, – I think Paul Lesney had uh, four field goals of like 27 yards or in. Um, you know, you, you want to punch some of those in, and, and it's probably the easiest to do it. Uh, you know, would you have a pass to Bowers, pass to Washington that kind of went off their fingertips and, you know, just pound it in there sometimes if you can. Or, now, you know, you need, have Stetson running in like he did. Oh, yeah. Later. That's, that's going to be a, a bread and butter deal. I mean, you're going to see a right. lot of that. Was it two rushing touchdowns already for him in the red zone? Yeah, and it was pretty much a quarterback sweep the other day on his one touchdown run. Mm-hmm. A um, couple other things. Will Muschamp going back to South Carolina. I got a story on that this morning at Online Athens. If you are not a subscriber, you want to read that, uh, I believe it's uh, about a buck for six months, something like that, Ryan. That seems to be the deal, yes. Yeah. So uh, you kind of forget Muschamp, besides being co-defensive coordinator of a Georgia defense, is going back to Carolina um, without giving up a touchdown yet this season. I mean, he's done everything already at Georgia in terms of, you know, been here for like 20 months and came here as an analyst, moved into a special teams coordinator role, uh, then uh, at the same time was coaching the safeties and nickelbacks, and now is running the defense with Glenn Schumann. I remember a time he was coaching waiting at Texas behind Mac Brown. That was a long time ago. It was. long time ago. Any coaching waitings anymore? I don't think they really do yeah, that, that anymore. That thing, uh, they, that don't go too well for people. What kind of atmosphere do you think George is going to see? Um, I know you jogged by the Buttsmere building uh, the other day, and you heard uh, – what did you hear, Ryan? Well, crowd noise. I mean, it was loud, uh, you know, and then it would stop for a minute, Kirby would shout, and then you hear more crowd noise. And anytime the number one team goes into any stadium, it's going to be pretty electric. And South Carolina, you know, has kind of that – 
mentality of a kind of you think about Georgia Tech, right? They're always been kind of the little brother uh, in the Ooh, SEC. That's a, that's a shot. Except for when Spurrier was there, they had their years. But I still think that South Carolina views Georgia as kind of the you know pesky old you know, older brother that they just they want to knock off so bad and uh so it's gonna be electric in there that rooster you're gonna hear that about a million times uh what's the sand uh what's the sandstorm sandstorm yeah that's gonna be blaring so it's gonna be a tough environment obviously like uh, you just said we heard uh, throughout campus the other day you could hear kirby smart uh yelling and the the crowd noise being pumped in and uh just preparing georgia for for what it's going to be like at noon on on saturday in columbia all right i'm going to rank the uh, best sec road game in atmospheres uh taking out three of them and i'll tell you why not been to texas a&m for a college football game because georgia hadn't played there yet not been to florida for a game either because georgia plays in jacksonville and the only time I went to Alabama was the 2020 game, which was the COVID season. So I'm going to have to throw that away because that was like a fourth of the way through. So I can't really rate that one either. That leaves 10 SEC schools to rate because Georgia, not rating them, Georgia doesn't go to Georgia for a, a road game. So, Ryan, you can kind of chime in with my list. I can say it, Carl. You've, you've been to more of these places than I have. I, I think I have my top three that I can think of. All right, number 10, mm-hmm. after taking out those four teams. Is Vanderbilt? I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the game day atmosphere. It reminds me of an ACC atmosphere. I've covered ACC football through the years as well, and you know, football's not as important in the ACC as it is mm. in the SEC. Uh, maybe a Clemson, a Virginia Tech, a Florida State—they really care about it. Vanderbilt, you know what they care about? It's a damn good academic school. Yeah, and we've been there a few times, and what three quarters of it is red whenever you go. Yeah, now they're they're going to upgrade the facilities. They they have for them. they have plans to do that. Yeah, but the AAD that's gone in there, I feel, has put an emphasis on on athletics a little more, which is which is good. Obviously, their baseball has always been dominant. I mean, they canceled a game a couple of years ago coming to Georgia in terms of, you know. Anyway, so maybe that'll be better. Uh, number nine is a place I've been to, I don't know, four or five times maybe. We'll be going there in October. It's Missouri. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a former, what is it, Big 12 school, uh, Big 8 school. And it's a basketball school, really, first and foremost, uh, when, they're, when they have a rockin'. Um, just lost to Kansas State, I think it was, pretty big last week. I'm not sure what that game day atmosphere was. Um, you know, it, it doesn't compare to some other SEC schools. Number eight, and I haven't been there too many times, a couple of times. Uh, last, I guess, was 16 when Georgia lost to Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss has a great tailgate scene. Uh, in terms of inside the stadium and having it rocking, I don't remember it that much, uh, it, you know. And that's really not a slight at, at, at Oxford or Ole Miss. It's just when you have so many good atmospheres in the SEC, someone's got to be eight, right? So that's where I'll put them. You been to a game at Ole Miss? I've never been there. I wanted to go to the Grove, obviously, see what it's about. You yeah, know, and I, I mean know it's fun. I, I mean, when game day is there, they definitely play that yeah, part it is, of it up. I mean, know? if you want to go to a game without a rooting interest on either team, I mean that would be a fun place to go. Number seven, I'm going to put Arkansas there. Um, and I think I've covered two or th- two, t- twice maybe in Fayetteville. Once One in game Rock. was in Little Rock. Yeah. Oof, I did not like that Little Rock Stadium. Um, it was a good scene. It was a COVID season in 2020 when Sam Pittman's first game there. Um, again, though, they have big scoreboard, artificial turf. I guess it's still artificial turf. Uh, just somebody's got to be seven. I'm going to put Arkansas there. Number six. 
haven't covered too many games there, but the Cowbells are going to put Arkansas, uh, Mississippi State ahead of an Arkansas or an Ole Miss. Um, not the biggest stadium, but it's kind of annoying before the, the uh, visiting team, probably the visiting writers or a lot of people, except if you're wearing the uh, maroon, right? Yeah, and they grandfathered that cowbell uh, policy in there because they took it away everywhere else or noisemakers and whatnot. So. Number five, I'm going to put an underrated Kentucky uh, atmosphere. They've renovated the stadium, and they are – Obviously, uh, you know what you're getting from Kentucky. They're in the mix now in the SEC East. It seems like year over year just went to Florida and won. So, I mean, it's obviously a basketball school, as Cal Perry will tell you, and told uh, – I got in a fight with Stoops on Twitter about it. But I, I think Kentucky's an underrated atmosphere. And, uh, you know, when they're, when they're playing well, I mean uh, – Yeah, know, that game a couple of years ago was pretty lucky. Yeah. That was for the SEC East. It seems like they have fireworks that shoot off out of the end zones too. Am I right? I mean, I think a lot of places have that. <laughs> um, I, I think you're right, though. Yeah, yeah. Number four, I'm going to put Tennessee, 103,000, or maybe it's more than 100, I don't know, 100-something thousand. You know, when, when they weren't good and they hadn't been good for like a decade, it wasn't as great an atmosphere. But, I mean, you know, football's important there, and um, it gets pretty loud, and you don't want to hear Rocky Top too many times. And I tell you, to me, that place is cooler from the outside looking. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like looking from the river yeah. at that stadium is really cool. Once you get inside so you, it, Would you put Tennessee lower on the list than some others? No. No, I think it's – yeah, when it's rocking, you know, I think of uh, – I went just before I was a student – to that 03 game that Georgia scooped up a fumble and took it to the house there right before halftime. And, I mean, that place was rocking with Tennessee fans loud until that happened. And uh, then Georgia took over the stadium. Number three is where we're going to be on Saturday. It's South Carolina, which is obviously doesn't have a great winning percentage all time in the SEC, but they fill that place up uh, most of the time with, you know, 76,000 or whatever it is. And they have a great pregame atmosphere, 2001 Space uh, Odyssey. They got, uh, what's, what do we just call that? That's yeah, Sandstorm. Yeah. Sandstorm. Uh, you got the Rooster Crow. You got the uh, Cabooses outside the stadium. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I mean, some really memorable games when Georgia went down there with Aaron Murray. I think it was a 35-7 loss. I mean, that place was just rocking and walking on the field pregame. You know, the student section right behind the end zone was, was really jacked up. Those are, I guess, the Jadavian Clowney days. Yeah, uh, when we were there three, four years ago, whatever it was, uh, I guess it would be four years ago, there was some, uh, you know, the student section can walk right up to the yeah. fence there where Georgia's warming up and all and i can't repeat some of the things i heard i mean i would i will say the last couple of times they're not as exciting i mean we saw mike bobo as the interim coach there last time and uh i guess was that the COVID season i guess that was the COVID season um yeah. and uh you know when, when they're not as good maybe not as much but number two on my list is lsu i mean it's death valley it is uh especially a night game which i think georgia's avoided uh sometimes that trip and uh I maybe think, maybe I'm, I'm putting them up there as well just because it's, it's such a great I think I'd put that number one, one. scene in the body. I got Auburn number one. Hmm. Great uh, atmosphere uh, around hmm. there. Love the stadium, like the uh, War Eagle flying around. And, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, Georgia's had some tough losses there, you might remember, too. Um, maybe, I, maybe I don't have LSU number one because Georgia just doesn't go there as often. Yeah. Uh, that place, I've only been to one game there, and, man, it was, it was rocking. 
Auburn? LSU. Oh, LSU. Yeah. 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 All right. We'll see what where Oklahoma and Texas uh, rate on our list when they join the SEC. Uh, but right now, let's uh, let's bring on Emily. All right, joining us now to talk Georgia-South Carolina Saturday at noon at Williams-Brice Stadium is Emily Adams of the Greenville News, uh, who covers Gamecocks women's basketball and football. And Emily, I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. All right, before we get into uh, the matchup, uh, a little bit about, first of all, you're, you're working uh, in a town that's uh, it's a favorite of, of uh, mine. I think Ryan's as well. It's a, it's a great uh, little drive from Athens to, uh, oh, Ryan's kind of shaking his head, maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I enjoy the downtown. Have you had a chance? I don't know if you're living in Columbia or up in the upstate, but um, not a bad place to call, uh, you know, uh, your new home. Yeah, I'm down in Columbia, um, actually a little bit outside. I'm living in Lexington, but obviously spend a lot of my time down in Columbia um, with all the, the Gamecocks activities and everything. Um, so it's been nice so far. I've only been here a little over three weeks, so haven't done a ton of exploring yet, but the little bit that I've done, I've really enjoyed. It's um, definitely a really, a really cute town. Um, and obviously the, the Gamecock love <laughs> runs pretty deep here. You're from Philly and you're going to be covering Dawn Staley, who is also from Philly. Uh, number one, does that give you an in with her? And number two, I saw the Shane Beamer press conference from Tuesday where he mentioned, uh, I guess that the Eagles won their game and, and uh, I guess knew about your background there. Um, your thoughts on on uh, that and Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean were former Georgia players that now are with the Eagles. Yeah, I am not terribly quiet about my my Philly roots. I'm actually uh, Dawn is from Philly, from Philly. I'm from a little bit outside. I'm from you know a a nearby suburb. So to her, I'm not from Philly, <laughs> but to everyone else, I am. I'm you know lifelong Philly sports fan and all that. Um, Jordan Davis was my favorite pick from that draft for them. I love him. I think he's great. I think he's great for them. I wish they played him more on Sunday, but hopefully this week we will see some more of him. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought both of those two were great, great picks. I was really happy with their draft in general. Um, and yeah, coach Beamer <laughs> threw me that, you know, your Eagles are one to know in the, the conference the other day. So yeah, it's it's been fun, and I'm excited to you know be able to cover Dawn. Obviously, grew up knowing about her and everything that she's done for women's sports. So it's a cool opportunity for me here. Yeah, I think if Georgia erected a Jordan Davis statue, there would not be too many uh, opponents to to that around here. But I'm ready for the Eagles <laughs> to do it now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Go ahead and just throw that up. Uh, let's get to football now with uh, South Carolina last week. You know, tough game at Arkansas, uh, 16th rank, I think. What did you learn, if anything, about uh, South Carolina last week? looked like they might have gotten down and then rallied a little bit to try to make it a better game. Yeah, it was a weird game for them, honestly. Uh, the first game against Georgia State, I honestly thought they looked worse than they did against Arkansas, which I think was kind of a surprise. You know, you always expect some development from week one to week two, but going from a Sunbelt team to, you know, a top 10 SEC team is kind of a different animal. And I thought they played up to Arkansas a little bit in some ways. Uh, the offense especially was a lot stronger last week than they were in week one. Uh, you saw Rattler take a lot of those deep shots more, which 
you know, they didn't use it against Georgia State. And that was really confusing to me because when you have a quarterback with his arm talent, why would you not? Um, so we saw them do that a lot more against Arkansas. And, you know, I think that's a great sign that they're heading in the right direction. Their offensive lines, pass protection especially, was much better. Um, the biggest issue on offense was the run game really struggled. And I think part of that is due to the offensive line. And part of that was that Arkansas defends the run well. And I think part of that was just that they weren't calling a lot of run plays. You know, they were averaging, I think, four to five yards per rush when, you know, adjusted for for sacks and all that. So it, it wasn't bad. They just didn't do it a lot. So I think what they're struggling with right now is just finding some balance and some offensive identity, you know, with so many guys being new, you know, Spencer Rattler's obviously new under center. And then a couple of the wide receivers are either first or second year transfers. You know, Austin Stogner is the the tight end who came with Rattler from Oklahoma. You've got Christian Beal Smith, who's the coming off of injury, but he's uh, a transfer running back. So the offense I think is still figuring itself out and what it wants to be in some ways. Um, and then defensively, they really struggled against Arkansas, obviously allowed 44 points. Uh, and that's, I don't know that that's anything's fault except for injuries. Uh, the defense is really, really banged up right now. They just lost two guys to injury for the season, Jordan Strawn, who's a edge rusher, and Mo Kaba, who's a linebacker. So that's really going to hurt them, I think, especially heading into a front like Georgia's. Shane Beamer's uh, one year and two games into his time in Columbia with the Gamecocks. What's the enthusiasm level you think for Beamer? Is it still pretty high uh, after a, a good first year? Yeah, it's interesting. The The energy is a little mixed. I think I think half of the fan base is, you know, still super high on him. You know, you see people online just anecdotally, you know, we can beat Georgia and we have a chance with anybody. And I don't know that that's true, but I think some are also, you know, this team just can't be good and all that. And I don't think that's true either. You know, I think Shane is still building, you know, he's had one, one of his biggest strengths is as a recruiter and he's had one recruiting class really to bring in that's his. So I think it's going to take him a couple of years to get the program where he wants it to be. And I think fans sometimes have trouble with that patience, but I think, you know, the recruiting class they have already this year is really strong. And I think that's encouraged a lot of people like landing some of those big commitments has given people more confidence in him and what he's doing and how they're continuing to build the program. So I think the, the hype is still there. I worry that if this season goes downhill, it will dwindle. Um, but I, I think overall it's things are trending positive. Emily, uh, and maybe you don't have a sense of this just yet, but where do you think that the South Carolina fan base puts the Georgia rivalry, uh, amongst other things, you know, I, obviously Clemson probably number one in, in that realm and then, you know, Florida and, uh, whatnot. But, you know, when, when Georgia comes in, obviously it's the number one ranked team. Where do you think fans put Georgia as far as uh, teams they love to hate type of deal? I'm going to be honest. I think it's very high up there. Um, and I think it's being fueled a little bit now by the 
the Will Muschamp return to to Williams Bryce. You know, there's been a lot of Muschamp hate recently. <laughs> you get a lot of the, you know, Will Muschamp ruined this program and they're still trying to bounce back. Um, and I mean, you know, the Muschamp hire as a head coach, you can say what you will about. And obviously I wasn't here for any of that, but, you know, I think having him on the other sideline is taking it to another level. Um, and just in general, you know, they've been talking about this game being almost sold out since week one. And I would be shocked if it's not called a sellout by the time we get to game day. Um, you know, Coach Beamer yesterday uh, in his conference talked about how, you know, they want Williams Bryce to be rocking because they've got a ton of recruits coming in this weekend. Like this game, I think, is a really big deal. A win or lose for South Carolina fans to kind of rally behind. And, you know, to be clear, I, I do think it's going to be a loss, but I think even if South Carolina can hang with them, I think that will do good things for the atmosphere. It's a noon kickoff. Do you think uh, Gamecock fans are going to start drinking at seven in the morning? And do you think it will be as fever pitched if, if it was like a three thirty uh, CBS game or certainly a seven o'clock ESPN game? Yeah, uh, I think they'll definitely be uh, up and tailgating as early as the gates are open. <laughs> um, but I definitely think it will maybe be a little more subdued than it would be if it was a night game. You know, Williams Bryce, they recently had this whole new light show installed for the sandstorm and everything. So the the night game atmosphere that we got to see a little bit for Georgia State was really cool. Um, and I really enjoyed kind of just getting to see that. Uh, so I think that will maybe deter some people just not getting to have that same, you know, night game experience. But I think for most people, if you're going to go to a game and you want that college football atmosphere, you know, the the Georgia rivalry is the only rivalry they have at home this year. Florida's on the road and Clemson's on the road. So if you're going to go to a big game, this is kind of the one to to go to regardless of that that noon kick. Emily, uh, I guess Antoine Wells is leading the SEC in uh, receiving yards and, and catches. Um, I'm not sure he's a name that folks uh, are that familiar with. I guess he's a transfer from uh, James Madison, maybe. Um, what? How good is he? I I think he's really talented. And I think the biggest thing with him, uh, I feel this way about him and Jalen Brooks as well, um, who's not a transfer. He's been around for a while. But the two of them seem to be kind of Rattler's go-tos and the two that he's been able to really build connections with. And, you know, he hasn't been here that long. Obviously, Wells hasn't been here that long either. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that had something to do with it, just that they transferred in together and were able to kind of forge that connection. Um, and, you know, you've seen a lot of the the veteran guys on this team, you know, your Josh Vans, your Xavier Leggett's, people who were, you know, really involved in the offense last year, kind of, you know, not getting so many of those targets just because, you know, Wells has kind of emerged as the guy, you know, he he's the one who got to those deep shots that Rattler was taking. You know, he tried, I think, two to Amarian Brown, who transferred last year. Um, and I think both overshot him a little bit. And I think there's a trust with him and Wells right now that Wells is going to go get the ball wherever he puts it. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing for him to have this early on in his South Carolina tenure, just because, you know, Beamer keeps talking about 
Spencer needing to get comfortable in the offense and needing to find his chemistry. So, you know, even just one connection, and obviously that's not going to, going to be able to carry you through a season. I think that connection that they have is a really good starting point for him. And it's giving him, you know, somewhere to go with the ball when he's taking those scrambles and things out. So I, I've been really impressed with him so far. Um, We'll see how he matches up against, you know, a Georgia defense, obviously the Arkansas secondary um, was missing a couple of guys last week with injuries. So they were, you know, a little, a little behind full strength, but I think he's capable of hanging with, with some of those SEC DBs. All right, Emily, one more thing before we get you out of here. You mentioned a couple of times, you don't think South Carolina can win this game, but what would it take for them to keep it close in this and, and give themselves a shot in the fourth quarter? Gosh, I, I think I think some of it would have to be Georgia falling apart a little bit, honestly. I, I mean, I think even if, if, if both teams play their best football, Georgia is going to win every time. I think if Georgia comes in not expecting them to challenge, I think that will open the door because I think the biggest thing we saw with Arkansas last week was that this group is really, they're very scrappy. They're fighters. You know, they were down. I think they only had nine points at halftime against Arkansas and ended up coming back, putting up 21 more in the second half. You know, they, even when it was out of reach get or getting out of reach there in the fourth quarter, they were still, you know, guns a blazing, going for it on every drive. And I think that's important when you're coming into a game as an underdog and a really big underdog based on the lines for the Georgia game. Um, so I think if Georgia comes out and doesn't expect them to be productive on offense and doesn't expect to be challenged on defense, you know, that will come back to bite them. I would be really surprised though to see that continue into the second half. I I would honestly, my expectation for, for them to keep it close is higher before halftime than after. But I, I think the, the biggest thing is that, you know, they need to establish their run game early, which they struggled with at Arkansas. You know, the, the guys who are stepping into the defense in place of those injured guys need to, you know, be right on that level that, the guys that replacing were, which, you know, is kind of a toss up. We haven't seen either of them in the starting lineup yet. So that'll be a big question for me coming into this. Um, And, you know, they need to not turn the ball over. They took six sacks last week. Two of those resulted in fumbles, one of which was lost. Rattler threw an interception last week and two the week before. So uh, they just, they can't make little mistakes like that because, Georgia is too good for for them to give up possessions. All right, everyone, go to uh, greenvilleonline.com to read Emily's uh, stories uh, about the Gamecocks. And uh, Emily, appreciate you joining us. Uh, Great insight on the matchup. And uh, see you on Saturday, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, we thank Emily for joining us talking uh, Georgia, South Carolina from the Gamecocks perspective. Ryan, as we record this, uh, you know, a couple, uh, 15 hours before it gets uh, thrown up uh, for our listeners, got to hustle, get over to practice in a little bit, or at least practice interviews. Practice has been closed all week. But uh, I did have a chance to ask yesterday Kirby Smart about 
uh, one Eric Gilbert. Mm. Um, I was wondering who asked that question. Not he's not really playing that much. No, and he's the question not. I had was, is that because he's got some really good guys in front of him? They brought Bowers and Darnell Washington, and he said, you know, we're playing guys that are backing up good guys on the offensive line. He's saying that. They need Gilbert to, you know, play winning football, know what to do, uh, and have confidence to go out there. And uh, so, you know, maybe there'll be a gradual process because I think people have been asking, you know, there was so much buzz not just about Bowers and Washington, but about Gilbert as well. Well, I think he also increased his buzz at the G-Day game, right? He had a big-time G-Day game. And, sure. Uh, you know, you think you're going to add him as maybe even a receiver type of position, and we just hadn't seen him yet. In fact, I think we've seen Oscar Delp a few times before we've even seen Arik in the game. So, obviously, it's uh, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, just how deep Georgia is. And you're not even seeing A-Reek because of whatever reasons. Uh, and I guess Kirby says it goes back to performance in practice. And it, it also just shows how deep George is that, you know, he'll play if he can nose his way past somebody. But as of now, he hadn't. All right, let's roll into our picks because uh, got a little short window here. Ryan, uh, I went 7-7 seven and seven on the week, and I'm now 15-15 and 15 overall. How are you doing? So I'm five and nine, and after a five and eleven opener, what does that make me? Ten and twenty? That's not good. All right, I'm about not to taste that burger. Good. I know. I know. Long way to go. Long way to go. Long way to go. All right, we're, we're going to increase the odds now that I'm winning by so much. Couple, uh, couple appetizers, you a nice would. dessert. All right, let's do this. Florida State at Louisville. The Seminoles are favored by two and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals getting the points with a tight win. Uh, it's still it's not Papa John Stadium anymore. What's it called? I don't know. I hadn't heard. Uh, replaced because of uh, uh, the whole Papa John situation. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't know. But by the way, speaking of Papa John's or any pizza, I had that last night for dinner. Good Papa John's itself. I did. Now, are you a pineapple and pizza guy? That seems to be a thing. I can tolerate it, but I, you know, I, I always hear you either be pro, 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 or con, con, con. But nope. kind of like right the, in the I like the pineapple. Give me a little ham, a little ham on it. Pineapple and ham, pineapple and sausage, pineapple and black olives. Any of that stuff's good. I'm uh, picking the Seminoles, by the way. <clears throat> all right, Oklahoma's at Nebraska. Sooners by ten and a half. That's not enough points uh, for uh, your Cornhuskers, who are now have an interim coach. Give me Oklahoma to. Cover. Yeah, I mean, they're in a state of disarray, right? You lose to Georgia Southern and you have Oklahoma come into town. Eh, it just seems like a seems like an Oklahoma blowout. Old Dominion is at Virginia. The Cavaliers are favored by nine and a half. I'm going to take the Monarchs to continue to have a pretty good early season. Yeah, they knocked start. off Virginia Tech already. I'm going to take the Monarchs. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think they're going to cover that nine and a half. Nine and a half at Virginia? Give me Virginia. Cal is at Notre Dame. The Irish are favored by ten and a half. Mm. I haven't called Mark Fox to get the update on how the Cal Golden Bears are doing exactly, but Notre Dame is hurting, losing to Marshall. I'm going to take Notre Dame to win by ten and a half or more, I guess. They got, Cal's got two home wins over UC Davis and UNLV. I think Notre Dame is going to do some uh, thumping. So they're ten, ten and a half point favorites. Yep. I think the Cal can cover that at oh home. Oh my goodness! Yeah, give me Cal. All right, Vanderbilt's at Northern Illinois. The Commodores are getting two and a half. I'm going to take Vandy against Northern Illinois. Vandy uh, had a tough game against Wake Forest, but uh, this is the kind of game that they don't have too many games on their schedule that they have a chance to win. This is one of them. 
I'm going to take Vandy getting the two and a half. Don't trust Vandy yet. I think NIL, was it Northern Illinois, not only covers, but they win. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, Northern Illinois just lost uh, a game at Tulsa. Georgia Southern coming off their huge win, going to UAB. UAB by 11 and a half. I know the Vogue thing to do is think Georgia Southern's going to fall flat on their face. No, no, no. I'm taking the Eagles getting the points. Didn't that seem like a lot of points for a team that just beat? 11 and a half. I mean, that, that seemed like a lot, but give me UAB. <laughs> Penn State's at Auburn. I don't know exactly what's going on, but there was some kind of story on the uh, Twitters today about Penn State having a hard time flying into <clears throat> whatever local airport they were supposed to fly Yeah, Montgomery was repaving or something. Like yeah, that. but I don't know. Um, Auburn's a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. I'm going to take James Franklin coming back to SEC territory and uh, beating the Tigers. Huh. Yeah. By, by two-and-a-half. Yeah, I mean, Auburn at home, this seems, like a, this seems like a good place to be a dog for them. So give me Auburn to, to win, not only cover that, but win. Have you seen Auburn lately? They, they, yeah. had, they had a hard time last week. But that was a tough San Jose State team. BYU is at Oregon. Dan Landing's team scored more than 70 points uh, against – who did they play? Was it, it was like a Western Kentucky or no, it was like Western – no, it was uh, – Eastern Washington. Washington. I don't know which yeah, Washington. One yeah. of the directional Washington schools. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Ducks are favored by three and a half. Give me BYU, who is playing some good football, just beat Baylor. I don't, I don't, I don't value that win much over, over Baylor at home. Nope. Give me. Do you know Baylor was a top fifteen team? I do know that, but I don't believe you're, that you're valuing Oregon to win over an FCS team. I believe at home, Outson Stadium, that place will be rocking for Pac-12 after dark or whatever it is. So, give me, uh, give me Oregon to cover. Wait a second. I'm trying to remember, BYU's not in the Pac-12. That's Utah. Yeah, but it's played at Oregon, right? And BYU and Independence still? Oh, Pac-12 after dark because it's at Oregon. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, right. man. Ole Miss is at Georgia Tech. That's an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Rebels by 16 and a half in the great city of Atlanta. I'm taking the Lane Kiffins to win by that much and more. I do not like uh, the chances of uh, the Waffle House Jeff Collins team winning this game. Or even getting within that, that much more. You know, I saw him on the field before the Clemson game with a coffee cup from – he's just trying too hard. Uh, but I do like Tech to cover in this one. Louisiana Monroe going to Alabama. Tied, you might have heard, barely squeaked by Texas. Tied by 49 and a half. Oh, my goodness. That is way too many points, but I'm still taking the Tide. They are pissed <laughs> off, and they're going to win like 62 to 3 or something. Didn't you predict Georgia to win by 49 last week and uh, they didn't make it to that? I, w- I won that game, though. What do you mean you won that game? It's, they didn't. It was 52 and a half. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you took the other. Uh, all right, give me, give me Lou. Has it, I mean, Lou Monroe wins or, uh, you know, don't win, but cover uh, in a uh, maybe a 48 nothing game. And they ain't getting to 49 and a half or 50. All right, Mississippi State's at LSU. The Bulldogs are favored by two and a half. They just had a good win at Arizona, won by like 20 points or so. Mm-hmm. Now they got to go to Baton Rouge. I'm a believer in this Bulldog team. Two and a half, they're favored? Bulldogs favored by two and a half. I'm going to take Mississippi State going to Death Valley. Is it a night game? Or maybe it might be a night game. Ooh. You know, that's the number two place to play, according to your ranking. LSU just had a big win over Southern. Yes. 
They, they did. Uh, now, LSU, I'm going to take them at home way more times than not. By the way, on your list there, where do you put Sanford Stadium? Well, I mean, Georgia don't play on the – I yeah. mean, if you have, I have to think about it. Okay, I can't. Okay. I don't have time for to, to think. Right, about it. Right. I mean, it's, it's an incredible atmosphere. It is. I mean, especially Bob O'Reilly, man, I give you chills. Especially if you just walk. I mean, we see that we're there five or six, seven times a year. If you if you show up there to game there for the first time in like six, seven years, like in the SEC rotation, I mean, it's it's special. Yeah. All right. Um, let's look at uh, Texas Tech going to NC State. Wolfpack by nine and a half. I'm gonna take Tech getting the points. And they just beat Houston. Yeah, NC State hadn't impressed. They barely beat who? Eastern Carolina to open the year? Something like that? So, uh, I'll take the points with Texas Tech. Nine and a half, you said? Yep. South Florida is at Florida. Gators coming off a loss to Kentucky. Uh, This is uh, Jeff Scott against Billy Napier. Yeah, I saw that letdown coming last week for them. Gators by 23 and a half. I'm going to take Florida. To cover that South Florida team has uh, not been very impressive the last couple of years. I'm guessing this is at Florida, correct? Being USF that they're playing? It's in the swamp. In the swamp. What was the line again? 23 and a half? 23 and a half. Uh, yeah, give me the Gators bouncing back after last week. All right, Michigan State is going to Washington. Uh, I'm going to take the Fighting Mel Tuckers going to Seattle, getting three and a half. Uh, yeah, my wife got her doctorate at Michigan State, so give me a sporting. Ooh, a doctorate. Doctor of plant biology. Mm. All mm-hmm. right. Um, Miami's at Texas A&M. It's the Aggies <clears throat> by four and a half. And Miami coming off a big win over a lesser-name opponent. I'm going to take the Aggies to win but not cover, mm. which means I'm taking Miami. Yeah, I get that. Well, then I'll go the opposite direction because uh, – A&M better, they better get their you-know-what together and play for Jimbo or uh, he could could get ugly down there. So I'll, I'll take A&M to cover. All right, Georgia, South Carolina Bulldogs by 24 and a half. We talked about this matchup uh, earlier in the show. Georgia blowing out a lot of Gamecocks teams lately, although 2019 was the lone exception in recent years. Um Look, this Georgia team's not losing to South Carolina like they did in 19. They have a different kind of mindset, a different standard that you hear a thousand times about. Nobody cares about them. Nobody cares about your feelings. Uh, you know, I guess Kirby Smart hadn't really been asked about if uh, Cedric Van Prahn kind of characterized that the right way. Um, I don't know. I haven't been overly impressed so far with South Carolina. Um, you know, Shane Beamer was talking on the SEC call today about someone said, well, do you wish you had Steven Garcia on the sideline because he was a quarterback in 2010 when the Gamecocks beat a number one uh, Alabama team? And he mentioned a bunch of defensive guys from that team. He said, I wish I had those guys, mm. uh, which leads me to believe that, look, they, they're a little bit beat up on defense. They've had some season-ending injuries. Georgia's offense is kind of uh, in sync, even though they've had the red zone issues. Georgia's defense hadn't given up much at all. I'm thinking Not a touchdown at all. I think Bulldogs going to cover this thing. I think the noon kick will help as well. Feels like a forty-one to thirteen game, which is probably more points than you know might actually happen for the Gamecocks. But I mean, Spencer Rattler is he can. I mean, Georgia's got to give up a deep ball sometime, right? I don't know. Um, Spencer Rattler likes to throw deep. I'll I'll, uh, I'll say the cover, and that'll be the score. Yeah, you know, thinking about the score of this game, for some reason, thirty-eight ten keeps sticking out. You know, Georgia. I mean, say what you will about Sanford, but 
uh, look at the Oregon game. Georgia didn't allow but three points that game. Didn't give up a touchdown. Only FBS school, I believe, that has not given up a touchdown all year. I, I think they're just so well-oiled on both sides of the ball. You know, maybe they'll give up a, a, a late touchdown or something to make it 38-10. to 10, But that would still cover for the Bulldogs, who I think will uh, will come out of here uh, better than 24-and-a-half. And uh, and an easy easy win in Columbia for the Bulldogs. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your week and uh, game day on Saturday if you're making the drive to Columbia. Be safe, and uh, we'll get back to you next week when it will be Kent State Week on the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Have a great rest of your week. See you.